2: And a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Thursday, July the 7th of 2022. Tonight's program is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend, baseball fans. This buds for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The St. Joseph County 4-H Fair summer starts here. Going on now through July 9th. Get details at 4hfair.com. And by Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday. My name is Darren Pritchett from our WSBT studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana. We are live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com. Also on our free WSBT radio app, which is available right now at the iTunes or Google Play stores. Just search WSBT Radio, and with the app, you can listen to us live. Podcasts also available on our WSBT Radio app. Well, coming up on the show today at 5.30, we're going to spend a little time talking some baseball, minor league, and major league with Chris Merring. He is the longtime voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, Wisconsin Right now at Four Winds Field in downtown South Bend in the midst of a series against the South Bend Cubs. The Timber Rattlers are the Milwaukee Brewers affiliates. So as the Cubs begin to rebuild, we'll talk about the team right now leading the National League Central, the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll talk about the Brewers and also in the minors. What is Chris seeing? Are there some guys that could be on the way helping the Brewers take on Teams like the Chicago Cubs. So we'll talk to Chris coming up at the bottom of the hour at 5.30. Also coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, Rick Peltz is going to join me. He is the chairman of Mike Bray's big event coming up, the celebration of hope, events galore, including the great golf tournament that has been going on for a long, long time. Now, in fact, as long as Mike has been here, the Coaches versus Cancer Golf Tournament it is sold out once again this year at Blackthorn Golf Club in South Bend. The golf tournament is Tuesday, August the 2nd, but there's a silent auction to talk about the Night of Stars. We'll ask Rick all about those events coming up at 6.07, one hour from right now, here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day has to do with the Chicago Bears, and they are one of the most popular bets right now according to Caesars Sportsbook. So in what way are the Bears so popular? I'll tell you coming up in just a couple of moments. And also our sports wagering segment will wrap up the program as we head towards South Bend Cubs baseball tonight. Pre-game coverage 645 and the first pitch between the Cubs and the Timber Rattlers at 705. <laughs> The first pitch. Of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup of in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, my first pitch to you tonight is a little different. I've had some questions that have been asked to be via my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. So I grabbed three of the questions. And decided to make a segment out of them. And it is centered around Notre Dame athletics. Does football stay independent? Do they jump into a conference? No surprise, the questions are all about that. Here's the first question Darren, do you think there could end up being four super conferences? The SEC, the Big Ten, Accommodation of the Big 12 Pac-10 and maybe accommodation with the ACC as well in some capacity. That kind of makes up the third and the fourth super conferences. You mix in some of the Eastern teams plus Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame added to the ACC brings money and TV to make that work. Your thoughts? couple of things. First off, I think we can all agree... At the present time, there are two super conferences, the 16-team SEC and the 16-team Big Ten. Then I think third in line is the ACC because it is still structurally intact. No cherry-picking, at least as of yet. Then fourth and fifth in some order. I don't think it matters, the order, because both have taken major hits. The Big 12... Now in shambles with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. Pac-12 in the same spot. Losing their two premier programs, USC and UCLA, to the Big Ten. Could we see four super conferences? I guess it depends on definition. Everybody may look at what is a super conference differently. From my standpoint, based on the team's remaining remaining for me means the ACC teams what's left of the Big 12 the Pac-12 and Notre Dame let's kind of call all of those teams free agents because I'm just believing at some point the ACC is going to start losing teams to the SEC and the Big Ten and when that happens there's just no way that the ACC could ever put itself in position to be a super conference like the SEC and the Big Ten. They just won't have the teams on their resume because I think the constant names that we continue to read about that could be leaving the ACC soon, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, Florida State Miami I don't think it would be a shock to anyone if four of those five ended up in the SEC or maybe you see Clemson and Florida State go to the SEC Virginia Carolina go to the Big Ten but the problem is unless the Big Ten thinks Carolina and Virginia are home runs that's not going to happen because we continue to be told that sources are telling all these national writers following the story that the Big Ten has hit the pause button. Oregon and Washington have asked if they could be teams or programs applying to the Big Ten. The Big Ten reportedly said no. They're waiting on Notre Dame. So it sure seems like the Big Ten is standing pat until they understand what Notre Dame may or may not do. I saw a report this afternoon that Virginia, Carolina, Florida State, Clemson are negotiating with the SEC. Wouldn't be a surprise. Would not be a surprise at all. The SEC knows, or this is my opinion and most people's opinion, I can't speak for the SEC, although I think I am. Notre Dame's not an option for the SEC. Academically, that doesn't make sense. There are not like Universities to Notre Dame and the SEC. Big 10, you have many more teams that are more lock in step with Notre Dame. So once the ACC starts to crumble, I just don't see how with the remaining teams there could be anything more than two super conferences. You can combine the ACC, the Big 12 and the Pac-12. You take the best teams. I don't think you have a super conference, do you? Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, North Carolina State, I I just, my definition, that is not a super conference. They're not going to have the ability to rake in the big dollars with their media rights deal like the Big Ten is about to do. So now I think we're going to see two super conferences, in my opinion. The second part of his question was he thinks Notre Dame added to the ACC brings money and TV to make that work. Well, they would bring money, there's no doubt, but the ACC has a rights deal through 2036. Would it be reworked? Possibly. But I just don't think Notre Dame is anywhere near thinking about joining the ACC for football because of the fact that it just seems like a matter of time before the ACC looks like the Big 12 and the Pac-12 losing teams, and they're left with some teams that are not as attractive as the ones they lost. So I just don't think we're ever going to get to the point where Notre Dame could possibly boost the ACC. It Just from my standpoint, my view of the situation, I don't see how we get to that point. To me, it's independence for Notre Dame or the Big Ten. That's how I see it right now. That could change as we gather more information. SEC doesn't seem logical. ACC, unless it does not fall apart. If it stays intact, then I guess we could have the conversation. Are they close to a super conference? I'm still going to say no. They would be a tier below the Big Ten of the SEC. But you just take a look at this question from a different angle. The Twitter follower mentioned some combination of Big 12, Pac-12, 12, and ACC at Notre Dame. Can you make it work? Well, just think about the teams that are out there right now in these conferences that we're talking about. How many are that attractive to the super conferences? Is Oregon and Washington important enough for the big 10 or the sec to add i don't think so we saw a report this week and i've talked about it it is estimated oregon would bring about 30 million dollars in worth to the big 10 that's not enough for the big 10 to mess with washington is less than that so oregon and washington may look good on a piece of paper but adding them to this combination of conferences That's not like adding USC, UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma, not even close. The ACC, a little different story. I think Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Virginia bring you value. Personally, I would love to see Carolina and Virginia go to the Big Ten. Maybe they're headed toward the SEC. To me, Carolina, too good academically to join the SEC. But if the Big Ten's not adding teams right now, If they get antsy, I guess if the SEC would offer, it would be awfully difficult to turn down. So, yeah, I still only see two super conferences with the way things are playing out right now, but (laughs) nobody saw USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, so who knows what's in the works right now that could change the conversation we're having. A second question I received, does Notre Dame's history their reputation their prestige take a hit if they join a conference absolutely not the history of Notre Dame football is as amazing as any program in the country I'm sure Alabama fans have their argument Notre Dame fans have their argument on down the line that history will continue whether they're an independent or in a conference That's never going to change. The gold helmet. The Golden Dome. Touchdown Jesus. The football program. Notre Dame Stadium. Nothing's going to change the prestige of this place and what it's all about. If he joined the Big Ten, it's not like they're marrying down, so to speak. So, no, Notre Dame is always going to be who they are. Joining a conference will not change any of that. I'm betting some of the Notre Dame alumni that are more veteran in status, they love the independence, they're attached to it, they hate to see it go, and I get it. I totally understand it. Based on my social media interactions, it just seems like the younger generation – with ties to Notre Dame are more interested in joining a conference than the older generation. And that's really not a surprise. I get that. But no, I don't think anything changes for Notre Dame. If they join a conference, they still are the same illustrious program. A third question I received, this is more of a statement at first, the ACC does not boast a national schedule much less the revenue that the Big Ten can offer. I don't understand why Notre Dame wouldn't join the Big Ten, plus it's great for local Big Ten fans. Well, as we all know, first off, Notre Dame not overly concerned about the local Big Ten fans. That probably would be an issue for men's basketball with Indiana and Purdue fans probably coming in droves to Purcell Pavilion to watch their team play the Fighting Irish in a conference game. We saw that in the past with Indiana fans overtaking Purcell Pavilion. But no, you're right. The ACC does not boast a national schedule like Notre Dame currently plays and the Big Ten can offer. The Big Ten can now offer Notre Dame a national schedule. West Coast teams, East Coast teams, Midwestern teams. There's a little bit of everything. The revenue, there's no doubt. I mean, we're probably talking 70, 80, 90 million dollars difference between the ACC and the Big Ten. That's my estimate based on what I've read. I know one of the beat reporters for USC had pointed out that USC going from the Pac 12 to the Big Ten, they're going to estimate the number being about 70 million dollars more for USC by joining the Big Ten compared to the Pac-12. Wow, that's just stunning. So, no, you're right. When you say, I don't understand why Notre Dame wouldn't join the Big Ten, I would just say, if you're going to join a conference, the Big Ten makes the most sense. If Notre Dame can remain independent, they are going to remain independent. If they have access to the playoff and they're okay with leaving money on the table, they will remain an independent. It seems like in time, ultimately, they'll have to make that switch to a conference. But it may not be in this whole reshuffling of conferences. They may be able to stay independent. I think that's what they want to do. That's not changed. Again, if they're not overly concerned about leaving suitcases of cash on the table and they have access to the playoff and their Olympic sports have a home, Sure seems like status quo to me, unless they are just ready to make that jump, which I'm still not believing is going to be the case. They want to be independent. Maybe there's a road to continue in that capacity. Thanks for the questions. You can always drop me a line on my Twitter account at 960 sportspeed Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday, we asked a question about Notre Dame basketball. We'll give you the results in a couple of moments. And today's question centers around the Chicago Bears being a popular preseason wager. Why? I'll tell you coming up in a moment, and then I'll ask you which way you would wager on this Bears football team. Also coming up, Chris Mehring, Wisconsin Timber Rattler's voice will join me. Actually, that's coming up next here on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio, 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022.
2: It is 531 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Thursday evening. Just a couple of blocks away from our studios is Four Winds Field, home of the South Bend Cubs, and the Cubbies and the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers will be squaring off tonight. 7.05 first pitch. Right here on WSBT Radio, Max and Brendan have the pregame at 645. And in the booth right next to Brendan and Max will be Chris Merring, the longtime radio voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Midwest League affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Great to have Chris and the Timber Rattlers back in town and it was my pleasure to get to know Chris through the years, calling the South Bend Cubs games. And Chris, welcome back to South Bend. Great to hear your voice. How are you tonight?
1: I am doing great, Darren. I've uh, had a real fun couple of days here in South Bend with that weird off day on Tuesday after the Independence Day game and then back at it again last night. So i um, just Ready to go for some more baseball here tonight at Four Winds Field. Should be a good one between these two teams that are tied for the top of the division early in the second
2: half. Absolutely, and it's important to win the division this year because there's only two teams in each division making the playoffs. you got to win the second half. Division title in order for South Bend or Wisconsin to get into the postseason. So a very important game tonight at Four Winds Field. Chris, I'm going to start you off with the question about the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that you've followed for a long time. And again, the Timber Rattlers affiliated with Milwaukee. Their manager is Craig Council, former Notre Dame player. The bench coach is former Notre Dame head coach. Pat Murphy, you know, I grew up with Harvey's wallbangers in 1982, Gorman, Thomas, Ben Ogilvy, Robin Yount, Paul Molitor, Jim Gantner, that great Brewers team had a, a hard-fought series against St. Louis in the 82 Fall Classic with St. Louis pulling it out in seven games. Harvey Keene was extremely popular back then as the manager I'm just wondering, based on the success of the Brewers under Craig Council, is he becoming one of the more popular managers in Brewers history?
1: I think definitely, yes. I mean, earlier this season, he surpassed uh, Phil Garner for the most wins in uh, Brewers history as a manager. Um, The Brewers have had some great managers that have really um, connected well with the city of Milwaukee. I mean, you go back to... Uh, George Bamberger came in and gave them their first real taste of success in 1978. And even if you go back to, to um, you know, a few other guys like Tom Treblehorn. Mm-hmm. Treb was uh, amazing in 87 with that team that won 13 straight to open the year and then had Paul Molitor. But as far as sustained success and popularity within the Brewers fans in the, in the, in the state and around the world, I think definitely the great council is probably number one.
2: I'm trying to remember the name of the pitcher, but the year the Brewers started, 13-0, 87, didn't they have a no-hitter thrown by a left-hander in Baltimore? I remember Robin Yount made a diving catch in center field to clinch the no-hitter. Am I thinking correctly?
1: You are. It was Juan Nieves. uh, Juan Nieves, uh, starting pitcher that day, and that's the, the first and that's the only single no-hitter by a Brewer. Last year, uh, Corbin Burns and uh, Josh Hader did that in Cleveland in a nine-inning game for a combined no-hitter, but that Juan Nieves no-no in 1987 is still the only one in Brewer's history by a single pitcher.
2: Chris, unfortunately, with the way the game is played and organizations so scared to have their starting pitchers face a lineup for a third time in a night, I don't know how many no-hitters we're going to see thrown by a single pitcher going for Now, the Max Scherzers, the Corbin Burns, those type of guys, they may have the ability to go longer in a game if the pitch count's good, but with the way the game's being constructed now, it's just hard to imagine, A, a pitcher ever winning 300 games again in their career, and number two, I don't know how many no-hitters we're going to see thrown by a single pitcher going forward.
1: Yeah, I would agree. At the minor league level, I mean, uh, there are very few Uh, complete games now even seven inning complete games now um but you know clubs have a big investment in players arms and they want to keep them healthy all the way up to the big league level and then they want to have that sustained success at the big league level so um yeah the game is changing but teams are going to adapt and uh we'll have to see how it changes beyond this because at some point there's probably going to be a couple of uh you know, the market inefficiencies are going, Hey, yeah. maybe this pitcher does well the third time through the order and they'll find that and exploit that for a couple of seasons. So it's it's part of the game now and uh it's part of the fun of it. It's just watching, you know it's it's a big difference in the old days when Don Sutton would go out and throw 27, <laughs> 28 complete games and compile almost four hundred innings in a in a season. So um it's 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 the it's the way baseball is right now.
2: Yeah, Chris Merring, the radio voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, joining me on WSBT Radio. Wisconsin in town to take on South Bend tonight at 7:05. I know there's so much talk, Chris, in the game of baseball about making sure the game moves along. They want games completed quicker. You had a pretty quick game last night at Four Winds Field. You know, my big issue is this. There's so much focus on worried about catchers and pitching coaches going to the mound. To me, that's not been the problem, slowing down games. Games are longer because guys aren't throwing strikes anymore. Chris, to me, organizations are so worried about velocity. A lot of these pitchers are trying to throw as hard as they can, which is going to lead to poor accuracy, longer at-bats, and with more velocity, there's going to be more swings and misses. They can tweak so many things in the game, pitch clocks, which I think could help a little bit. But, Chris, with the way the game's being played right now, I kind of feel like the game's doing it to itself. I'd like to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, um, the, the uh, I guess the inaccuracy of starting pitchers or pitchers in general is kind of uh, – it depends on the pitcher. I mean, yes, the velocity is up. I've never, you know, back when I first started, there was maybe two or three guys that could yeah. throw mid-90s. Now there's like three or four guys on each staff and with a couple of guys that can reach upper 90s. Um, it's part of the minor leagues where they've got to get guys to throw strikes. And the, the main thing that I have noticed this year, I mean, with the pitch clock and uh, keeping the game moving, it hasn't necessarily been walks or pitch counts that has, um, you know, because the, the pitch counts are still up there. The walks are still up there. But cutting down the batter, getting out of the box, yeah. and staying in the batter's box, that, that pitch clock has really, I mean, we played an hour 55 last night. Hmm. I had to look back and find the last time we played a game that quick, and I had to go all the way back to 2010. A non-pitch clock game that wow. went two hour or an hour and 54 minutes, and that had some walks and a couple of runs in the in the ninth inning. But, but still, um, I think uh, minor league game times are down uh, by about thirty minutes, thirty five minutes so far this year. Hmm. And you can really tell that the difference is there's not a lot of time between batters because the batters got to get up in there. Um, there isn't a lot of um, time between pitches. Good. and that keeps it moving and, and and i mean it was so weird last night i instead of finishing up my work here at the ballpark i walked home the sun was still out i walked <laughs> back to the hotel the sun was still out and it was like <laughs> that, this this was not a day game it was a it was a game that started at 705 at night in july and there was still sun out when i was walking back to the hotel and that was that was kind of nice and i think um the, the overall reaction from Players at this level has been positive. The, the reaction from the fans has been positive. And I, I think as you see this generation of players make it up to the big leagues, they will implement that pitch clock in there at the big league level in the near future. Hmm. Because I, I, you know, Major League Baseball, since they took over, they've kind of used us as their laboratory. And this is an experiment that has worked out for the better, I
2: think. Good. Before I ask my next question, let me set it up by mentioning you've been the Timber Rattler voice since 2000. Have you always been a Brewers affiliate since you've been broadcasting with Wisconsin?
1: When I first started in 2000, we were a Mariners affiliate. Okay, and we had the Mariners. We had the Mariners uh, affiliation through the 2008 season, and then after the 2008 season, that's when it became a Brewers affiliate. Because okay. The, the Brewers had actually started out in, in Beloit in 1982. Um, they were a couple of other places before that, too, but they were in Beloit in 82. Uh, they left Beloit after the 04 season to West Virginia for four years, and then hmm. our affiliation opened up, and we've been a Brewers affiliate ever since the 2009 season.
2: Okay, so since you've been a Brewers affiliate, Chris, who do you think is the best position player that you've called with Wisconsin? And the second part of the question is, in your time with Wisconsin and the Brewers affiliate, who do you think is the best pitcher that you have called in a Timber Rattler uniform?
1: Uh, position player, uh, I would say um, it, it would be, I'm going to hedge my bet. I know this is talk radio, so I need to have an opinion. So um, I'm going to hedge my bet So. Um, I'm going to go with Orlando Arsbia, our mm-hmm. shortstop in 2014. Um, the kid was just amazing, even at that age. And um, The other would be Tyrone Taylor in, in center mm-hmm. field. He has been just kind of amazing um, at the big league level. There are some guys that are kind of at the, uh, at the double-A level right now that I think are, that Brewer fans are just going to love. Um, Garrett Mitchell, Sal Frelick, Joey Weimer. Um, uh, are are having great injury problems at the double a level but when they are on they can put on a show and then there's some guys below us in carolina that are coming up that cubs fans might be able to check out next year that uh, are just amazing as far as pitching prospects go or pitchers um Boy, I'm, I'm a uh, Corbin Burns definitely at the big league level. Mm. Um, he was with us very briefly in 2016. He'd already thrown like over 100 innings for St. Mary's when he was drafted. So he got very limited action with the Timber Rattlers back in 2016. Um, but there's the kid thrown tonight in Antoine Kelly. Uh, Left hander is just named to the Futures game. He's already got 100 strikeouts this season. Wow. And uh, when he is on, I mean, Everybody just raves and watches him pitch, and it's it's great. And, and I can't wait to see what he does at the Futures game in L.A. in a couple of weeks and then as he moves up the ladder, too. And, you know, I'm sure after I hang up the phone, I'm going to think of about six or seven <laughs> other guys that I probably should mention. So I might have to email you or text you later so okay. you can add that to my list.
2: Fair enough. See, I had this conversation with some Cub fans the other day, and the Cubs are in the midst of some sort of a rebuild right now. My point to them was, you know, the Cubs are trying to get back into position to be a playoff contender. But I think there's a really good chance in the next year or two, Milwaukee and St. Louis are going to be better than they are right now based on a some of the prospects you just talked about that Milwaukee has on the way. St. Louis has two guys that are probably going to be a big part of their lineup in the next year and a half, and Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker, who got named to the Futures game today. Now, they have pitching things to figure out in St. Louis, but I just think the Cubs' rebuild is going to be more difficult than some anticipate just because the two teams they have to track down, to me, I think they might be a little better in the next two years.
1: I would definitely agree with you there, Darren, because when David Stearns came in as the general manager of the Brewers, his plan was – wave after wave of good major league young major league controllable talent that they could keep and you know so if they would mind up moving on the next wave is there ready to take old form and we've already seen that a couple of times uh you know with with burns coming up and, and woodruff coming up and the the brewers making the playoffs four years in a row and right now leading the NL Central over the Cardinals uh, past the halfway mark. And, uh, you know, depending on what happens, it could be a fifth year in a row. Um, But, yeah, I I would definitely – I would not put anything past the Cubs, especially after what they've done the last two days to the Brewers at at American Family Field because they do have some good talent that has played the Brewers tough all season long. Um, But to sustain it over a full season and catch – uh, the Brewers and the Cardinals, and, and I would say the Pirates because the Pirates have kind of snuck up on everybody too. So it's the NL Central is going to be tough, um, especially with the series the in process in both Milwaukee and in St. Louis.
2: I think if the Cubs played the Cardinals and the Brewers every game in a season, they would make the playoffs every year. <laughs> they, they just seem to own those two teams in the NL Central. Then they play everybody else, and they seem to – come down to earth for whatever reason. Hey, Chris, with Wisconsin in town and South Bend Cub fans going out to these next few nights at the ballpark, are there a couple of Timber Rattler players they should be on the lookout for? I know you mentioned the starting pitcher tonight has some pretty impressive numbers. Can you point out a couple of individuals maybe for fans to look out for that are going to be wearing that Timber Rattler uniform?
1: I would definitely look out for the uh, Rattlers leadoff, batter and Tyler Black. Uh, he's one of the league leaders in hitting. He has played third, second, center. He's DH, and he's been really outstanding this year. Uh, Darian Miller is the catcher for the Rattlers tonight. He is uh, starting to get on a little bit of a hot streak, and uh, the Brewers really think highly of him. Uh, and Xavier Warren just had an 11-game hitting streak end last night, but he's DHing tonight, and he's a guy to look out for. And then there's some guys uh, in, in, the, in the bullpen and on the mound uh, that I think people are really going to enjoy seeing, uh, um, you know, at least performing if they want to look at it performance-based. And then also back, I did, want, I did want to mention Zach Mort is back with us again this year. Mm-hmm. And I know you know Zach from mm-hmm. 2019 in the championship team. So yep. um, he's, he's in the bullpen and uh, he's Good. probably going to get some time this weekend.
2: Awesome. Glad to hear that. All right, most important questions save for last. So every once in a while, minor league teams change their name. And I think Wisconsin had the best name change ever when you went to the Wisconsin Utter Tuggers. And the symbol speaks for itself. I'm just wondering how popular the Utter Tuggers merchandise was Did the fans get a kick out of it because it's kind of a unique symbol and a, a unique name. And I'm wondering, are you guys going to keep using it?
1: Well, uh, we uh, we the, when we first announced it, we announced it on the day of our golf outing back in 2019. Okay. And we announced it at 10 o'clock in the morning. We announced it at 10 o'clock in the morning. We were sold out of uh, Uttertaker's merchandise in 5 hours. Wow. And we did... Dozens of reorders to get everything back. We had all 50 states ordered some Utter Tuggers here. um It was just crazy in 2019, and it still sells out to this day. Um, we did an Utter Tuggers weekend this past <laughs> June as part of Dairy Month. Uh, we wore new Utter Tuggers jerseys four days in a row. Love it. Um, we had like uh, the Wisconsin Dairy Association. Asian came in. We had Alice in Dairyland uh, come in and, and throw out a first pitch. And uh, it was a big weekend. Um, a couple of years ago, back in 2019, when we first did it, we won, one, we won, a, won a golden bobblehead for best theme night and uh, a, a big golden bobblehead for best overall um, uh, promotion. And we just keep growing it and making it bigger. Love and it. Uh, the merchandise sells out. And, you know, we've, we've done great with that. Our brats gear has been great because um, we do a Wisconsin brats mm-hmm. uh, jersey as well, and then the Cascabela is the uh, the Copa de la Diversión. Uh, it's been outstanding too. So I mean, but the other Tuggers is still at the top. I don't think we're ever going to change that. We're going to keep that rolling. We're going <laughs> to keep com- keep coming up with new merchandise for the team store, and people can just go crazy over it every year.
2: Basically, the cow is running, and the front of the cow the I guess udders are there. I don't know how else to say it. I like to keep my job, but they're there and that's that's it. But it just works. It's just it's just perfect. Whoever came up with that, I hope they got a raise, Chris, because that was a terrific idea.
1: Well, we I we do have to credit Brandios with that. Uh sometimes they have come up with some of our best stuff and uh, they come up with that one and that one is just It was well worth uh, going to them and having them come up with it.
2: Now, it's not nearly as good, but I came up with an idea for South Bend a couple of years ago. Of course, it went nowhere because my ideas stink. But I thought for one day they should call themselves the South Bend 16ers, like the 49ers or the 89ers. I thought the 16ers based on the 2016 World Championship team. Awful? Bad? Average? What do you think? I... I
1: think that that is okay. Um, it takes a little bit of an explanation. Yes, Whereas it Whereas if you put six feet on the on, on the shirt, then you have to explain it. But under tuggers, that kind of explains itself.
2: That's so, exactly I,
1: right. I, 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 you know what, though, Darren? You've come up with more ideas of naming teams than I ever have. So I'm going <laughs> to give you credit for that.
2: Chris, thanks for doing this. Always good to talk to you. Miss our conversations in the broadcast booth before the games, but glad to have you back in South Bend. Enjoy your stay, and hopefully we can talk to you down the line once again.
1: All right, that sounds great. I already have Bruno's Pizza on Monday night, so I'm all set. I haven't had to eat for like two days because of that, so I'm, I'm really good.
2: <laughs> Outstanding. Chris, have a great call tonight. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Darren. Great talking to you. You as well. Chris Mearing, longtime voice of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers or the Wisconsin Utter Tuggers, the Milwaukee Brewers affiliate in the Midwest League. You'll hear South Bend in Wisconsin tonight at 705 on Sports Radio
0: 960 WSBT.